Welcome to Be With Champions. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and today I have a wonderful chat with Dan McPherson. Dan describes his journey from a wannabe pro triathlete to a Hollywood actor, TV presenter, and award show host. And he describes the mental strength he gained from Ironman training and, and how he was able to transfer that into his pursuit of roles in Hollywood and then optimizing those characters once he got them. Dan discusses the difficulties of coming out of character after years immersed in these roles and the grounding tools that he uses to help himself just adjust back into his life. We discuss his family and living life with intent and so much more. I just love this chat. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Just a quick little bit of housekeeping. Um, If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and please share it. You'd be doing me a huge favor there. I'd love your feedback as well. So whether on social media accounts, um, Instagram, I'm Greg Bennett World, Twitter, I'm Greg Bennett One, or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn as Greg Bennett. Uh, You could also just review me on the Apple podcast. I can read those, but I I can't get back to you, but I do appreciate any of your feedback there. And finally, uh, you can find the show notes, the timestamps, the sponsors' coupon codes, and the links uh, to Dan. Uh, at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks for listening and all your support of the show. Enjoy this one. I really did. If you're enjoying the show, you can support by supporting the show's sponsors. All of these products I'm using regularly. You see, these past few months, I've become even more conscious about my metabolic health, my nutrition, supplementation, movement, sleep and recovery, and, and social interaction. And I found the support for my metabolic health with these sponsors, Athletic Greens, Hyper Ice, and Continua G. Athletic Greens is a green drink source from Whole Foods that actually tastes great. It's delivered straight to your door, and it's highly absorbable powder, which takes seconds to mix with water, so there's no clumpiness to deal with. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins and minerals. It's packed with aptogens for recovery and probiotics and digestive enzymes for gut health and vitamin C and zinc citrate for immune support. So Athletic Greens is designed to help fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. It's NSF certified for sport, no harmful chemicals, no GMOs, and no funny additives. Honestly, I can't recommend Athletic Greens enough. Whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. A number of my guests that I've had on the show take Athletic Greens regularly, including Timothy O'Donnell, Marinda Carfrey, Tim Don, and Sebastian Kinley, amongst others. There's a great offer going on now for you to give it a try. Simply go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg to claim our special offer of 20 free daily travel packets with your first purchase, a $79 added value, and get Athletic Greens delivered straight to your door. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Now, with two kids and a business to run, time is limited. In the past, when I was a professional athlete with no kids, I'd line up the massages throughout the week to help with recovery and those niggling injuries. But now, I only use the various recovery tools from Hyperice. They work, they're easy to use, and they're time efficient. My go-to is the Hypervolt, the world's most powerful percussion massage device featuring Quiet Glide technology. Their vibrating foam rollers, thermal technology, and Normatec compression systems help you warm up faster, recover quicker, and simply move better. With Christmas fast approaching, yes, it's almost here, Hyperize products make the perfect gift for anybody in your life that you want to help support, get them, and keep them moving. Get $50 off all percussion devices now, no code needed, and get an additional 10% off with code GREG10 at hyperice.com. That's hyperice.com.
H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com and use code GREG10 for 10% off. Finally, you're not going to believe this, but I have a new sponsor that doesn't sell anything. They just want to educate. It's called theglutathionreporter.com. That's theglutathionreporter.com. You can find them in my show notes. Why are they doing this? Well, it appears that medical doctors, scientists, college professors are sticklers for accurate information. (laughs) And instead of complaining or getting into Twitter battles, these guys just build a website to reach out and teach people everything you want to know about glutathione. The reason I'm interested, and this is important, is that most consumers are wasting time and money on dietary supplements that don't work. And the best way to prevent this is to do your homework, form your own opinion, and make more informed decisions. So go to theglutathionreporter.com. I also have a website address for those listeners who already know that one, the human body makes the most powerful antioxidants on earth. Two, that the master antioxidant your body cells make is called glutathione. And the human body needs glutathione to live. Three, the reason I'm addressing a select group of listeners, this website address, is that, you see, the scientists in my hometown, Sydney, have accomplished something absolutely mind-blowing, and you need to go check it out. You can check it out at continualg.com. That's continualg.com, C-O-N-T-I-N-U-A-L-G.com. You can also see that in my show notes. But check it out and let them know I told you about it. An interesting side note to glutathione, in episode 36, when I had Dr. Mansu read my DNA and genetics report, he mentioned that the one common area he found with all the world's best endurance athletes he tested, they all had a great ability to produce glutathione. I'll leave you with that little tidbit. All right. Today's guest is a Hollywood actor, television presenter. He's an award show host, and he's a triathlete. His work ethic is truly inspirational. He's been known to work as an actor for six days of the week and then host television shows like Dancing with the Stars and X Factor on his days off and then be training for an Ironman between all of that. He's someone that's doing everything he can to uncover his potential. And as a friend of his, it's been a real joy to watch him pursue his talents both as an actor and as an athlete. You see, he's someone that he knows what he wants and he's taken control of his life and he's living a life with purpose. And, and I, for one, take great motivation from watching this man work. So welcome and thank you for joining me on Be With Champions, Dan McPherson. How are you, mate? Oh, are mate, you? What, a, what a wonderful intro, mate. Thank you. That's very, very nice of you. Um, not quite sure. There's a few, there's a few little bits that, that I'd like to unpack in that intro that I'm not quite sure I've, I've got the answers to myself. But um... <laughs> Well, it seems to me that you... You were on a journey of uncovering yourself and finding your potential. And that that's kind of what I've always loved about watching you. It's like, I think you you definitely have some self-belief about there's more to Dan McPherson that we're seeing. And I'm just watching you, you know, whether it go to Hollywood and, you know, drop everything to try and, try and make it big. And, and I just love that. I find that so inspiring. So that's kind of what I'm getting at with that. Oh, I appreciate that very much. But also that... That's um, I mean, diving straight in, but that came from watching the athletes I grew up with and watching the the guys that I looked up to, and and that was that was yourself, and that was Welshy, and that was Crowy, and that was everybody that was leaving Australian shores for for you know months at a time to to go over to base themselves in Boulder or Encinitas or, or wherever they were going, and 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 chasing the the kind of overseas dream. So 
So when it came my turn to, to pack up and go to LA, it, it wasn't as daunting, I guess, as a, mu- a bunch of other actors because I'd watched all these other buddies and training buddies do it for triathlon. So it was kind of um, it was kind of a nice crossover there, you know. I love that. It's funny, isn't it? We all kind of just have to leave the island if you want to try and take yeah. on the world. You got to pack up and leave yeah. and. You know, for us, I think as young athletes, we we kind of grew up. Australia was the hub of, you know, we had the Grand Prix series and the, you know, triathlon was massive in the 90s, live television and everything else. And then we kind of went, okay, what's next? And it was like yeah. straight out onto the, the, world, the world scene. And, I mean, you grew up with Chris McCormack, Welshie, McKeeley Jones. They were all in your triathlon. Triathlon that's club it. down in Canada. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was it. it. I, 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 my, I just didn't know any different. You know, I was 11 or 12 years old. John Holt was my rugby coach um, huh. who started the Cornell series. So he, I started playing rugby like under nines at Baronier Rugby Club. And next minute, you know, my dad's signed me up for the kids' race at Cornell run by John Holt, who was my rugby coach. And, and obviously, Holt, you know, pioneered triathlon in in sydney so when i started or in australia and so when i started coming out of canola triathlon club it was i didn't know any different it was just it was welshie and and mj and and macker and and you know jace harper and and nick hoyle who was your junior champion at the time and you know and legends like 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 johnny baker and and um and you know stanley and, and all the all the faces down all the characters down there you know and that was just where i grew up you know well that that kernel race i remember racing it i think in about gosh 91 92 and was, I think that, they called was it, that balmoral tri club were you racing in a balmoral tri club or kit around yeah i i joined I balmoral triathlon club so so for people that don't know basically sydney's broken up into the southern shire which is kind of cronulla beach and and all of that then you have the eastern suburbs which mm. people around the world might know as bondi beach and coogee and some of those big famous beaches and then you have the northern beaches um and that's kind of manly and all the way up to Palm Beach. And I'm kind of on the northern beaches side. Balmoral Triathlon Club is is more like a harbour than it is a beach, but it's uh, that that triathlon club was myself, Simon Whitfield, and, and Craig Alexander kind of started there and then shifted down to you guys right. later on, I that's think. Right. But we kind of did have that. But I remember that Kernel race was uh, one of the first races where I got my first pat on the back. You know what I mean? Really? Like, I think yeah. I beat- Mick Maroney, uh, <laughs> he was a big star down there, and I, and I managed to beat him in this race. And I think I was like, I don't know, 19, 20, and I was like, oh, okay, this is yeah. something maybe I should pursue. But that Kernel race, I think, started a lot of athletic athlete uh, careers. So I love oh, that you've it, it. I did, and it also like it was it was also we you know we called it the Kernel, Kernel World Championships, you know, because it was like bragging rights for everybody, you know. And if you if you get anywhere near Mick Maroney, I mean, I'd, I remember I'd see Mick on the bike, and you know he was just rippling muscle and veins and i was like you know 14 little fat rugby player trying to trying to do this you know uh, and but you know in a in a really interesting twist of fate that was where i met my first acting manager and it was when my acting career started it was on the bike course at the kernel triathlon series that's amazing isn't it yeah i love yeah. i love like your the synchronicity of that right yeah and I love that you mentioned you came from from rugby because I also was a little kid trying to play rugby at Newington. And oh, you really? Yeah, I, I, was, I was at Sydney High, yeah. That's what I mean. I yeah. just did some homework <laughs> and saw that you went to Sydney High. And for people who don't know, there's a GPS system in, in eight schools that compete against each other in Sydney. And uh, Sydney High were kind of rubbish at rugby. Not not to say I was any good, but our school, no, it was always totally. exciting to get to. Our structure wasn't as strong for, for a few years. 
but uh, we, we and also we were, we were kind of we're a state selective school, state funded, you know, against all the all the private schools. So we had a little chip on our shoulder as well, but we were very smart. You were the smart ones. I was about to add that. I was about to add we were all jocks and and had a got to beat up on the smart kids at Sydney High, but you guys were the ones going places. <laughs> and when I say we, I, I, I got to let everybody know I was in the thirteen E's, fourteen E's. It was not me beating up on anybody. I was absolutely. I loved rugby, but I just I wasn't that much good at it. And a bit like you, found triathlon, got my pats on the back. And let's just dive into that a little bit. You mentioned yeah. you got you know you got scouted there or how did that work you're standing on the sideline um, i'd i'd kind of been caught up in the in the whole cronulla triathlon um bubble and and i loved it and i was training with my coach down there eric hunter at the time who was who was training um and and in swiss in swiss kind of junior development squad and i wanted to be in that squad so i was training really hard and and um you know at this age too when you're 13 14 15 16 one or two years makes such a difference. So if you're mm. if you're in the under 15 or the 12 to 15 age group and the guys are racing 16 to 19s, I mean they're they're big and they're strong and they're, you know the, the sort of physical development um, and also you know girls and drinking and all that sort of stuff like it's light years ahead. You know it's light years of difference. So so I was in like the the, the, the 15s and the 16s and looking at the 17s and the 18s and all oh, they were they were really quick. Um, and, and so I then, I was just training my, my backside off. I'd quit rugby. I'd gone from looking like a rugby player to looking like a triathlete. And, and, um, and then I got glandular fever and chickenpox one after the other. And I was about to, so all my mates went off to this N Swiss camp and for six months, six or nine months, my immune system was just wrecked. And I, I'd train for a week and then I'd be sick for three weeks and then I'd jump jump back on a bike because I wanted to because all my my best friends were out there. I wanted to go training with my buddies and I wanted to get up early and feel fit and feel good and go racing bikes because I was good at it, you know. And mm. and um and then I'd get tonsillitis, then I'd get sinus infection, you know, just whatever. I was just upper respiratory infection one after the other, and my body was just like, you're not doing this right now. And so because I loved the sport so much, I went and worked as, a, as an official on the bike course for John Holt out at the Colonel Triathlon. And um, the, the gentleman that I was positioned with, stationed with out at the, at the turnaround, not the main turnaround, but the one out by the carbon factory where you do the little dog leg out to the left there out at yeah, carbon, yeah. carbon Black, you know, the one along the really rough road, uh-huh. um, the most remote part of the course, whereas like you and, you know, when you're 15 and you, you, there's this guy who's like 40, you know, I don't know what to talk to him about. He's 40. I'm 15. Um, we hardly spoke a word to each other for, for four hours. And then finally he was like, we struck up a conversation. He was like, would you be interested in, in some kind of acting or the arts or acting or modeling or anything like that? I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to be a triathlete. He's like, well, give me a call. Here's my card. I'm an acting manager. Um, I, th- I think you'd be worthwhile you know, having, a, having a conversation and, and seeing if you want to pursue it. And I never, I never called him. Um, and then three weeks later, uh, the home phone rang on a Monday night at about eight o'clock at night after dinner, and my mum picked up and she was on the phone for about half an hour, and she hung up and she said, "Oh, that was a guy called Stephen who who met you at a triathlon, who's an acting manager, and he said you were supposed to call him and you never did, and he'd really like to go in and meet meet his boss and him and and do an audition for them." And I was like, "Oh, oh, he was he was serious. This was a serious thing, okay." And so I went in and and I did this with with um 
with my my mum uh, and we went in and met Stephen and his boss Mark Mark Morrissey, and um, that was the beginning. I went I went and they sent me to acting classes um, after school instead of going swim training because my I still hadn't really recovered from glandular fever, and um, and I got a job of an audition for Neighbours not long after, and then I didn't oh. think I was ever going to get anywhere with it. So I, I applied to get a job at Rebel Sport selling running shoes. So I was doing my HSC, my, you know, my equivalent of my SATs, you know, finishing high school. Yeah. And I was 17. And then just as I was about to um, get this job at Rebel selling shoes for whatever you're going to make at 17 years old, um, selling shoes at Rebel, uh, I got a phone call saying that I'd been offered 18 months on Neighbours and they'd written a character for me. And it just so happened that the character was pretty much exactly who I was uh, and a triathlete moving to Ramsey Street. So that was that sort of that's how I started. <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about that story is, gosh, you're the second guest that I've just had on. So Cliff English just came out last week and Cliff wanted to be a professional cyclist and he mm. was making the junior ranks in Canada and had gone to Europe and kept getting struck down with sickness and glandular fever. Wow. And it was almost like God has tapped you guys on the shoulder and said, look, you've got some, I've given you some talent in this physical area. My actual talent I've given you is actually over here, and I'm going to slap you in the face until you see it. You know what I mean? It's like you, totally. here you are. I mean, totally. God or whoever you want to believe it. But totally. my point is, is that that kind of where Stephen was like, "Mate, <laughs> I'm being totally. serious over here. This is yeah. where you got to go." It, I it's been. It. I, I look, and I and I think about that all the time. You know, I've had all these crazy episodes of synchronicity that have happened in my life and in my career. And, and sport and triathlon have always remained a part of my life, my lifestyle, um, and, and health and fitness has always remained a part of it. Mm. But it's always really complemented this this career, and and it's almost like that was triathlon and and growing up in Cronulla and and everything I just sort of spoke about was the was just the springboard to go off. It was never actually about triathlon. It was like mm. that was just the that was just the gunpowder to fire me off on this crazy journey. That's 25 years later. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still doing it, you know? And I had a bit of, I, I yeah. got to interrupt. I, ha- I had a bit of fun by the way, doing some homework for this. And I did <laughs> go back and watch some neighbors and oh my goodness, it was, it was really fantastic just to <laughs> go back. What, 20 years ago now? What are we talking uh, about? February 98, I started. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. here he is. So for people that don't know, Neighbours is um, the biggest kind of drama series that's been going on in Australia. Is it 35, 40 years or something now? Like, yeah, I think it's probably 35, um, yeah. But we've had actors. The, the biggest one is probably Kylie Minogue. Um, I don't know if she was the original Neighbours, but she went on to bigger and bigger things. Um, did Was it Guy Pierce who Guy came Pierce. out of there as well? Yeah, Guy yeah. Pierce was in Neighbours. Um, we would know Jason Donovan, but not not many people in the states. He's he's more in the in the UK. But um, Guy Pierce came out of there. I think Russell Russell Crowe did 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 a little bit in there as well. I think. Did he really? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like a like a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. But then but then you also have um, another series that popped up probably ten years later called Home and Away, which for mm-hmm. Neighbours was down in Melbourne. So you've had to pack up as a Sydney kid. Yeah. moved to Melbourne, I assume. And uh, the other one was Home and Away, but that was up on the northern beaches of Sydney. Were you ever kind of tempted to do that one or was it just, look, neighbours set you up and, and that yeah, was I mean, what it was, you were going to do? It, it was so interesting because I was I was a little bit of Home and Away cast in Neighbours in that I was mm. this Sydney long blonde hair beachy kid and Home and Away was really popular. 
So I'm pretty sure in hindsight they were like, get the kid that looks like he should be on home and away and, and bring him down to Melbourne. And, you know, I mean, typical you go to Melbourne and I was like, I didn't know what to do. It was cold. It was rainy. There were no beaches. I put on stacks of weight. I got really pale. I was like, hang on a second. What, what happened to being like living in the sun by the beach in Sydney, you know? And, um, and I ended up doing nearly, nearly four years on, on Neighbours and and that took me intermittently in and out of the UK because Neighbours was so big in the UK, as was Home and Away. Um, and at the, at the completion of that job, I realised that actually I wanted to be a, an actor for a career. What it, what it started out essentially as a novelty of going, hey, come and do 18 months on Neighbours and I just thought, yeah, I'll go back to university or something after that. Um, actually, after four years or three and a half years of doing that show, I went, oh, hang on, I'm 21. Of course, you know all the answers at 21. Um, I thought, actually, maybe I'll, I'll try and give this a, a go and do this as a proper career. So I made the decision to move to the UK off the back of Neighbours because I thought that's where the best actors in the world were. And so I'll go and, I'll go and work somehow with the best actors in the world instead of either going back to Sydney to home and away or, or, or to something like that. Um, and, and it served me quite well, actually. So that was, did you not have a job set up in the UK? You just went over there hoping. And, and, and the other, the, the second question to that is your formal training in acting, how much acting school had you actually done? Or was it just kind of learn as you go? I, uh, I had done none. I had done <laughs> none. So wow. I was picked off the side of the road, had a role written for my neighbours. My dad bought me a car, a 1992 Mitsubishi Magna. We packed it up three months after I finished my HSC. And when I talk about the synchronicity, like it's crazy, I got the job on neighbours the night before my second last HSC exam. So I finished up uh, this, on my HSC. I had three months off over summer to hang out with all my buddies in Cronulla. Then I packed up my car with my dad and everything I owned. My mum was crying on the driveway at 17 years old. We drove to Melbourne. We drove to Melbourne. We didn't know how, we didn't know where we were in Melbourne because I'd never been there before. So then we kept going. We drove to Frankston. And we went, <laughs> which is it's it's the less salubrious little cousin of Melbourne, about an hour down the road. If you, if it's you're forty kilometres away from yeah, he's done the yeah, Melbourne yeah. I man. That's what you do. You run <laughs> from Frankston to, to Melbourne. Yeah, that's a great ride. And we went. Oh, okay, I'm in Frankston. I don't, I don't think this is it. This is we've gone too far. So we came back and um, and moved in we stayed the first night in the Bo Morris Bay Motor Inn and I turned up on set and one of the other actors was like oh welcome welcome to Neighbours you know you're playing Joel I said yeah I'm playing Joel he goes what have you done before I said oh, I'm a triathlete he went oh but but no 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 what, what have you done like triathlons and and he was asking me what kind of acting experience I had and I had so I had I had so little acting experience that I didn't even know how to answer those questions and so I just turned up on set and kind of, kind of, it's kind of windy, you know. Just, just tried to make it as natural as possible, and go and and look, those instincts kind of served me well. But I did know coming out of Neighbours that I had to go and get some training. Um, and so when I went to the UK, I was going over there to do pantomime, which I'd done previous Christmases before on stage around the UK. Mm. Um, and, and then I was going to do, I was going to play Jesus in Godspell, the musical, which is true in the UK. So I figured that's, that's, uh, far more lucrative than drama school, but I'm going to kind of teach it. I'm going to treat it like drama school. Mm, mm. I like that. It's like throw yourself straight into the practical and, uh, you know, the yeah. theory, the theory is yeah. kind of there, but tell me, I mean, I'm nervous for you when I think about <laughs> the first day on neighbors and having to act. 
with no experience. What I mean, are you are you innately a confident kind of guy? Because I'm certainly wasn't, especially at 17, 18, 19. I talk about on this show a lot. Are you are you confident within your own skin, or was there a tremendous self doubt? What was that like? Um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll preface. I mean, I'd done a handful of like two hour classes after school with an acting coach. I had been a nighter, but I'd done, you know, a couple of cast classes, group classes, you know, but so I, I sort of knew which, which end the camera pointed at the actor, you know, like, but um, <laughs> was I confident? Um, yeah, a little, I don't know if I was confident. I, I, confident might not be the right word, but certainly um, open and certainly, um, wouldn't say fearless, but it was an attitude to just get in and have a go and, and do your best. Um, you got nothing, nothing to lose kind of attitude, right? I had nothing to lose, but also I knew so little about it. I didn't even know I had nothing to lose. I didn't know you had something to lose. Mm. You know, it was like you get it wrong, you just do it again. It's it's a video. Well, did, actually, did, yeah, it's a bit more. Did neighbours want you to leave? Was that a... I mean, were they kind of trying uh, to keep, get you to stay? No, no, they actually, they did want me to stay actually. Um, by that yeah. point, and and that was my, that was probably the first time in my career where I'd looked at something and gone, oh, you know what, I've grown, I've outgrown this. I've mm-hmm. I've got everything I needed out of it, and it's time to, um, re, uh, re up the stimulus, re re refresh in the challenge, and take, take the next step. Um, and, and that meant not only moving to England but it meant getting on stage and it meant singing as well. Now, again, wow. something I'd never done before. So, wow. so just, just uh, you'll, you'll find it probably throughout the course of this conversation that, that the general theme of scaring the absolute crap out of myself um, is, has been a, a, a general kind of recurring theme in, in my life. That's why I introduced you as somebody that's always trying to uncover more potential. Yeah, that that is what I mean by that. When I introduced you as somebody that seems to always be wanting to, I mean, th- you go off, you you go to the UK, you you do all of this. You, you, at some point, you come back to Australia and you do one of the things that I think would be one of the most nerve wracking things in the world to do, and that's host live television shows, like Dancing with yeah. the Stars and X yeah. Factor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about scaring yourself. Tell me about that kind of mentality that you yeah. have. Yeah, like that. Um, that by that point, it was. That was the most similar thing I could find to pantomime. So pantomime is is an English tradition. Um, it's live theatre. It's sort of a take on on a fairy tales, a Jack and the Beanstalk, or it's Cinderella, and it's singing, it's dancing, but it's also audience interaction. So working with some very very skilled and talented actors of all all shapes and sizes and ages. And I did three years of pantomime at every Christmas. It's a Christmas tradition, and so you do for you do that for three months. Um, they also pay you in pounds. So when you're a teenage Australian earning pounds in the 1990s, you're smiling a lot, um, and and I was, and and it was it was great. So so fast forward four or five years, coming back to Australia, having ended up being in the UK for nearly five years, um, it was actually quite natural for me to jump into live TV because I had mm. by that point I'd done four years on Neighbours, I did another two or three years on the Bill in in the UK. Plus, I'd done a stack of live theatre. Um, live television hosting was kind of the best bits of all of those, of all those skill sets. Um, and there was not many guys. There were not many guys in, of my age um, uh, at that point. I'm you know mid twenties, twenty five years old. 
um, that had had that that experience, that international experience, and, and could kind of do what I was doing. So it, it meant that I came home and I had the pick of pick of a bunch of jobs, and I ended up doing the first season of X Factor in Australia, and then not long after that. Um, took over from Daryl Summers doing and I ended up doing seven seasons of Dancing with the Stars and and there was a sort of a decade there that I was I was still training I was still racing a little bit um I was still acting on other shows and I was hosting all these shows so um uh it was it was a I look back at my 20s there it was like I was just paddling really hard you know Mm -hmm. I was just working saying yes to everything trying to do everything I could um as best I could and the work ethic that I had was because I'd come from a sport where you've got to be really good at three disciplines and put them all together on the day. So, so to act and to host and to do do it all at once and work six or seven days a week, my strength was in my mental discipline and my work ethic as much as it was in my talent, and mm. and that made it a very lucrative time for me. I love that. I think you you've nailed it on two counts there. I think I think for athletes and anybody in their twenties, it's a time to just go out into the world and say yes say yes to every opportunity you know whatever comes your way and and learn and grow as as you go but i also love the fact that you kind of mentioned the the mental kind of capacity that you get from endurance sport and and i guess that leads me into what i wanted to chat to you about is that ability to use what you've learned in endurance sport and cross it over into a completely different type of world i mean you're talking about one is sport and one is the arts and and you're one of these people that, you know, gets to is doing both, and there's there's not many people in the world yeah. like that, that yeah. have talent in both areas. So you suck, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that that ability to take that mental approach and take it into, I mean, some of these roles that you've had to do for months on end, um, just relentless over time. Do you do you draw upon that kind of Iron Man training? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you say that. I I wasn't one who could do both because in the end, I got to a point in my career, my acting career in my early 30s, where actually being um, the analytical athlete only allowed me to go so far in my art or in my acting. And that was uh, how I realized that was that I'd spent my entire life devoting I remember, I remember, I remember. Welshy said this in the sixty minutes interview when he won Hawaii that we all watched, and he said, "I want to go from point. I want to devote six months from going to point A to point B in X amount of time. And the harder I work over that six months, that X from get me to point A to point B is is the is the finish time, is the finite number. And I can turn around at the end of six months and go, you know." 840 whatever he went you know or whatever in my case you know 940 that was that number signifies how hard I worked what I struggled with in the first 10 years of my career in entertainment was that there was no finite unit of measurement there was no finite unit of measurement of success or failure or whether you were good or whether you were crap and and I'd come from a, a life where I was good because I could swim a certain pace, run a certain pace, ride my bike at a certain pace, and I could do that. I could cover X amount of ground over a certain pace, and people went, he's a good athlete. It took me a long time to look back at my acting and go, oh, he's a good actor. And I realized that to do that, I had to get away from the numbers game, I guess, or the or the finite measurement, the finite data. 
And I had to kind of cut free from that and go and take that plunge into the arts and into myself and really get to know myself and realize that being just being professional and and being pretty good and and knowing your lines and doing everything right and pleasing everybody is actually less interesting than getting down and dirty and being covered in tears and sweat and snot in 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 an emotional scene you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. so i had to spend a good amount of time really getting to know myself um undoing the undoing all the lessons i'd learnt in my 20s about being professional and employable but actually dig down into the other side and and that was a really interesting journey to to really pull that art apart but but for my career, once I did that and once that elevated me to a level of working that meant that I didn't have to host and I stepped away from TV hosting and went purely back to acting mm. and and that that self-exploration was because I couldn't get a job as an actor in America unless I improved as an actor when I first moved to LA. And, and so the discipline that Iron Man gave me to not only like you can you can easily see the application of that in the preparation for a role. Oh, you've got to change your body shape. You've got to eat this for a certain. You've got to train X amount of times a day. You've got to you know live inside a in a studio for three months, which I I did that as well. But but the 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 discipline that it gave me actually was the self belief to keep going when no one would give you a job, or when when you hadn't you couldn't get a job, or when I was trying to transfer my career from Australia to America and. Long before COVID, no one had shake your hand anyway. You know, they they didn't know your name. You go, hi, I'm Dan, and you put your hand out, and they go, sorry, we don't shake actors. Go, okay, wow. but I've hosted seven seasons of Dancing with the Stars, and I've got network contracts with every network in Australia. But you go to America, sorry, we we, we don't we don't touch actors. Okay, I'm at the bottom of the pile again. So so the the self discipline and the um the self belief that came from Iron Man helped me a lot in that tough period as much as it helped me preparing specifically for a a bunch of roles after that, I guess. Mm. I I think you covered a a point that I've talked about with a number of athletes that have retired from professional racing and that kind of thing. And and that's that transition, you know, for you transitioning from being a a someone, you know, in Australia, definitely a someone in Australia, um, to going, actually, there's more... I have to find more out of myself and this transition, it was a choice transition of you coming to LA and saying, right, I'm at the bottom of the pile. I guess how much of acting is, how much of getting a role more than acting, how much of getting a role is luck, who you know, timing? Do you see a lot of that? Is it? Um, it I would say a lot of it's timing. Um, Sometimes as you go further in your career, it's a bit more of who you know. Mm. Who you know who you know opens the door. Who you know doesn't get you the job, I reckon. Right. Who right. you know gets you the opportunity, but then you've got to perform. Who you know might get you in the room, but 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 it still comes back to you. Um, luck, you know, the the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, mm. You know, uh so that's still the case in in the entertainment world because I, I still think I think so. I, but also, uh, there's a, there's a line in the show I'm doing at the moment, and it's like uh, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah. it's like, but it's like it's about repeated luck. It's like 
if you can if it's continually repeated is it still luck you know and and mate it's a mix of everything you know you got to be you got to be in the right place at the right time um and yeah. you know you might just be in LA for the right day at the right afternoon and the guy that's got the job that that's their favorite his car's broken down somewhere in the valley and he can't get the audition and you happen to be there and you look like his brother and you walk in and it just so happens that you've had a terrible day and you're having a fight with your missus and you're you don't want to be there and you go in and you read this script and you've got all this attitude and and they go you you're the guy what 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 do you mean well that's what we're looking for we're looking for someone who's authentically pissed off and this and that and they're frustrated Uh, and the guy that we wanted he's not here so you've got the job we start filming tomorrow you're like oh my god so yeah have have you had that what have you had in terms of experiences of getting these you know i mean strike back and your role there was enormous yeah, i mean that, that was that was huge but again that was a really lucky occurrence where i i was actually working on another job in chicago and i'd i'd self-taped for the strike back job i'd been away filming another job in in um an american film and we were in uh we we're in orlando and then we we're in pennsylvania and i'd come back to la and filmed and i'd been because of this other job that I'd done, I'd been in a really dark place and this really kind of dark role and, and I'd been sm- I had to smoke for the role, so I've been smoking and drinking whiskey all around, you know, that side of the States, not far from you. And 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 you come I came home, I did three auditions, and there was something about the the headspace that I was in where I got all three of those auditions. Wow. But then with Strike Back, they I did I did the, the, that tape for Strike Back that day as well. And they were great. You, you, they loved your tape. You're on top of the shortlist. Fantastic. Then a day later, hey, I'm sorry they've changed their mind. They think you're too much like the other guy um, who, who's done the show previously. Who was another actor, Australian actor called Sullivan Stapleton. So you're off the list. Oh. <sighs> Strikeback's gone away. A week later, they've changed their mind. You're back on the shortlist. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Can you be in London next month on on these dates? No, I can't. I'm filming this other job in Chicago. Well, you, you'll miss the chemistry reads and you'll miss the auditions then. Okay, we're off the list for strike back. The other job comes back. Hey, guys, really sorry. We've had we've been snowed in. Our dates have changed. Uh, you're now working on this week, not this other week. Guys, I can be in London for the strike back. Great. So the synchronicity, GB, was I was in Chicago. I flew back to LA for 12 hours. I flew to London. I did five days of chemi- four days of chemistry testing, uh, military training, all sorts of stuff in 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 London, and then I flew straight from London back to Chicago, back to my other job. And had that have not happened, had the synchronicity of that not clicked in, somebody else would have got that job, and they would have said, "Wow, it was so lucky!" I, I, and they would have this that this experience of of luck meets opportunity meets mm-hmm. who they knew meets you know. So it's just. You, you're just right place, right time, and 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 also you you really do have to seize the opportunities when you get them. Simple as that. I got so many questions out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where do I go? Where do I go? But it's, it's like going to be a three part series, man. I love it. Well, it is. It's just, I mean, you're my first entertainer that I've had on this show, and I hope to have others because it is a it's such a unique world in in what it does to you mentally whether you're getting rejected from jobs or you immerse yourself in a job and you have to come out of it. So I want to talk about all these things. The American producers and the casting agents and they go, oh, you Aussies, you're all the same. You come over here and you're 
hard working and you're passionate and, and you've got a great work ethic and you've got a great energy and you're all the same. And it's like, you know what? We're actually not. It, it's just the ones that stay because LA, there's so many of us that come over and I've got so many friends um, that have been over, that have tried it, that have tried the hustle, that have tried the, 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 the three auditions a day for pilot season um, and you're driving back and forth from, you know, deep in the valley back to Beverly Hills, down to Santa Monica, and then you've got to rush over the hills, you know, and it's like you're doing the – and and no one knows your name and no one calls you back and you don't get any – you don't get an audition and you do it for years and years and you just turn around one day and go, hey, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm. And then there's a certain type of – there's a certain type of performer that thrives in that, and, and thankfully I was one of those. Um, and, and again, that probably comes back to the competitive nature of sport and growing up in sport, but I was like, no, I can do this. And, and so it's funny. They, they'll say, all you Aussies are the same, but no, it's, it's, there's, there's ones that are, that are built for, for the rigors of, of Los Angeles. And there's, there's ones that, that really just, it's not for them. And, and, and how how much touching on the Aussies component, how much is like the, the Aussies that have kind of come before you? Has that helped, like the Hugh Jackmans, the Eric Banner? Um- oh, absolutely. Absolutely it has. The, um, the reputation that was forged for us, for myself and, and for those of us, uh, I moved to LA in 2011. Um, at that point, uh, there still was only a handful of Aussies on, on TV, but, but, yeah, you talk about Nicole Kidman, Naomi Watts, Guy Pearce, Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, um, but there was another tier as well. Simon Baker was on television at that point as well. Um, Jesse Spencer was on House at that point. Um, uh, a handful of actresses, I think Poppy Montgomery and um, some of the great Australian actresses were, were on TV there at that time as well. So by the time I got there in 2011 or 12, um, the, the path that had been forged and beaten for us to walk was, was well trodden. And so because of that, you know, being at that point, I was a 31-year-old, experienced kind of sporty Aussie, and it was I got a I got a real head start in LA. You know, mm. what I then had to do was go and work really hard to be able to to back it up, to 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 work at the level of the opportunities that I was getting. I, I, I'm fascinated by that, and you, we mentioned so many amazing names there. You're also you're good buddies with the Hemsworth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, whatever I call them, gods. <laughs> uh, you know, you've all kind of had similar kind of starts, and you've all kind of gone in different directions. Are you guys are when you're in LA? Is there kind of this Australian contingent where you're all kind of hanging out together, working yeah, absolutely. out? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that that just that was funny. That that just kind of happened that way. Um, Luke Hemsworth, who's in Westworld uh, currently and, and uh, is one of my closest mates in the world, um, we, he also played a drug dealer in uh, Erinsborough High in Neighbours uh, and his first, his first acting job was with me on Neighbours 20 years ago when we were 18. And so fast forward 20 years and we're both living in Los Angeles and he's working in Westworld and I'm working on um, Strike Back and we're both going to the, the HBO Emmys party together. It's like, hey, man. That's pretty cool. Um, it's funny. I was supposed to move to LA uh, with Chris Hemsworth in two thousand and five or six. Um, he was going. We had the same manager, who was the boss of the guy that I met at the triathlon. 
you know, it turned out to be one of Australia's greatest managers and, and managed everybody. Um, and, and just as, so he was taking Chris and I to America together and, and I got the role, one of the lead roles in a show called City Homicide, which was a, a cop show for Channel 7. And so I stayed and I stayed and did City Homicide for three years. And uh, Chris had a, uh, let's say, a, a, a more uh, healthy ascension into Hollywood stardom um, <laughs> than I did. Uh, and look, those guys are great mates. They are, they're, their family is wonderful and you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of them. They deserve every every success that comes their way. Um, some of the most generous generous guys um, that that I know, and um, having having them and another handful of 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 Aussies in LA during you know the decade that we're all there um, was was incredible. And funnily enough, we've all moved home at about the same time as well. You know, in the last twelve or eighteen months, we've all kind of turned around and gone. I think it's time. Yeah, I think it's time for us too. Yeah, and. Um, and so we're all back in in various parts of Australia, mostly. Um, yeah, that's but, but also with 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 careers that we can now come and go as we choose. You know, I think we had to do that 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 decade to to establish ourselves, so that we can can always dip in and out as we need to. I'm I'm amazed how how grounded you all are. I mean, you know, talking to yourself. Did you ever? I mean, you see it with athletes in sport. You know, they start to believe their own media. Um, you know what everybody else says about them. Have you found that with many of the guys that have sort of made it? Do they kind of um, start to believe their own hype? Yeah, it's funny that the, so the guy that the guy Stephen that I met at at um at, at Cornell race, he he got me into Dolly's most dateable guy competition. I was seventeen years old. I was seven. I was doing my final year at Sydney Boys High. Dan, we're gonna this is we're gonna start your career. We're doing it this way. You're gonna be getting this Dolly's most dateable guy. You've got to get all your friends to ring up and vote for you. So okay, cool. So they did, and everyone rang up and I won. And we were going to the party to be crowned Dolly's most dateable guy, which at 17 is like awesome. And on the car, in the car on the way there, he looked at me and he said, Hey, this is the rule. Never believe your own publicity. Now what? Because this is the rule. Rest of your career. It's all, it's all bull. It's all BS. Never believe your own publicity. So, okay. And I realized how, how easily manipulated it was. It was, you know, he knew someone at Dolly. We'd, we'd essentially called up hundreds of times to rig, not rig the voting, but we just voted a lot legally. I'm not saying, I'm not saying uh, you know, that I was illegitimately closed my thoughtful guy. <laughs> But he was like, you know, we 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 engineered that. We engineered that to happen because it was good for your career and they're writing all this stuff about you. But of course they are because it sells their magazines and then you're gonna go into neighbors and and it was all sort of happening at the at the same time. Sorry, that's my mum. And um and and so I learned very on early on that it was that it was all you know, that the you didn't have to scratch very far below below the surface for 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 you to see that it it wasn't real, you know, or there was an element of it that it wasn't real. And and so I guess I've over the course of twenty five years have worked out the bits that are real and and the bits that, that aren't. And mm. and again, it's sport and health and fitness and family and 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 sticking with good people that that will fulfill you in any profession, you know. Um and and probably like 
probably like sport, probably like growing up in those triathlon days, that the the guys with the egos just don't last. Like, no. like if 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 you've got the talent, if you've got the talent and the ego, then then you will you'll you'll work. But if you've got, only got the ego and you don't have the talent, then you just don't work. Then you get weeded out, and that's that's probably across many professions, but. But, you know, I think that's the similarity between sport in, tri- in triathlon and acting, you know. Um, but you also get put up on this pedestal, but you guys also get torn down pretty hard. I mean, firstly, you got every time you go in to, to do a casting role, um, I can't imagine you, 10, 20 of you all waiting in a room to go do a casting role and having them say, oh, no, you're too short, you're too something. Oh, I mean, totally. but, also, but also it's it's like 20 or 30 guys that look exactly like you. It's like you know, you're going, you go into LA, you get to LA, and you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the king, you know, I'm look at me, I'm from Cronulla, I've done this, I've done that. You walk in to for the audition for CSI, wherever they're up to at that point, and it's for special agent, you know, Johnny Smith, and you're like, yo, all right, I'm Johnny, and you walk in, and there's thirty guys that look exactly like you. And you're like, oh, oh I, I, slightly taller, slightly shorter, slightly longer hair, slightly bigger nose, smaller nose, darker, lighter, more ripped, fatter. And it's like, it's like you've just entered the kind of Clone Wars. You're like, oh wow! And you learn very quickly that it's that it's oh, you you're in you're in the big leagues, like, and you're you're a commodity and you're replaceable and 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 it's competitive, you know, and and uh, yeah, it's that's quite it's quite a shock. Just a quick mini break before we get back to the show. I just want to remind you guys to go check out athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Sign up and get your free 20 daily travel packets with your first order of $79 added value. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. These highs and lows of getting a role, having a great role, getting crushed down with either you know, it may be a role that didn't work out or, or not getting the casting role. And that's that's the side of you and I think the great actors of the world that, that have this mental endurance. Yeah. And I think that's almost a great trait that you've brought along throughout your career, like you've kind of touched on a few times in this chat of this. You've got to, you've got to take some pretty brutal hits. Is that how you feel? And, and do you find the similarities between countries? Is that the same kind of thing you say? Um, I... I mean, I, I guess, I guess, longevity and success in in any of those professions, and particularly this one, is um, is is trying to work to work out what not to take personally, you know. And so, your rejection out of an audition, unless you really stuff it up, you know. But it's it's not personal. Oh, he's he, we don't we didn't like him. He's not getting the job. Well, you didn't get the job because you didn't look like the guy you were playing. Your your or you didn't have the same chemistry as the other lead person, or you didn't. It's it's work out what's personal, and and when you really when you really have a look at it, a lot of it's 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 not. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we live in an age where, unlike any time in history before, everybody has a voice, and everybody has access directly to you with their voice. So if you're going to be on social media, if you're going to do a podcast with your name on it, if you're going to promote yourself on your Instagram saying, hey, I'm Dan McPherson and this is what I'm doing today, um, by that, by its very nature, you're inviting people to tell you what they think about it. And so 
with that agreement in mind, if I post something, go, you know, tell me I look tough holding this gun, playing this soldier, and a real soldier goes, hey, mate, you're, you're doing that wrong. I'll DM you, you're doing it wrong. And you go, oof, okay, well, guess what? That's that's what we're doing. And and if and if you can't hack that, then then don't go into that world. And there's times where I haven't wanted to hack that. So there's times where I've shut my Instagram down. There's times where I've been off Twitter because Twitter is a – I don't know if you've been on there in the last five years, but that's that's a – that's something else, you know, and you really gotta you really gotta brace yourself if you're gonna wade into Twitter. Um and uh and, and you know that's a whole nother that's a whole nother world. And uh I actually shut Facebook down in two thousand and nine. I um I just didn't like it and so I haven't been on Facebook for, for a long time. Um, um so there's definitely a um there's definitely an attitude that comes from the USA that that we've always loved and it's drawn people there. And it is that support. You used to see it in races. You'd see it at the LA marathon. You'd see it at any racer. You go, man. Good on you, bro. Yes. You, you got this. Come on. And, and it's like, ah, cool. It's great. You know, you, you don't know me from a bar of soap, but I'm running down the street, just doing my morning jog. And a guy walks out of a coffee shop in Santa Monica. He's like, looking good, bro. And you're like, uh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that that positivity is what kind of I think captivates a lot of us and a lot of us Australians, particularly going there. Your life can change in a minute. You can get a sponsorship deal. You can win a race. You can get a you can get an audition. You can get the job, and and the kind of positivity and 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 um, possibilities there are are incredible. Um, and and I think that's why a lot of us have gravitated there and gravitated and stayed there. Um, the Brits have always been pretty pretty nice to me. Um, again, you know, never believe your own publicity, but they but they. It's nice when they say you're a good actor when you're acting with on British shows because, like, well, I've always held them in high regard as being, being um, you know the best in the business. Um, and and I think I think now when I come back to Australia, um, there is a real kind of familiarity or, or ownership. A little bit that I've been in the public eye there for nearly 25 years. Um, actually, I, know, I mean, I know I know a lot of people, but but I don't think there's any there's no barriers in Australia. They'll just tell you what you think, um, you know, good or bad. A majority of it is 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 really good, and 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 I don't mind being told that I suck as well, you know. And, and I think you just got to embrace it, and and but but also, you know. I don't read comments on articles, you know, about you or if you, you know, I don't read the Daily Mail. I don't read that stuff um, yeah. because because what's the point, you know? And and I know it's very alluring to hear what people are thinking about you, but, you, you know, essentially we're all putting sort of versions of ourselves out in the public. We're putting products out in the public. And, and by that very agreement, um, they're out there to be critiqued and everyone's got their opinion. And Mate, by the way, I just got to touch on, your American accent just then. You've been working on that. That was that was something. Uh, huh? Have bit, you got an acting coach that you training bit, that? A little, yeah. bit, a little bit rusty, actually. I haven't um, I haven't had to use it for a while. So uh, it's obviously it's made it's a lot healthier when I'm when I'm in the US. That's for sure. Um, and, and and that's great, you know, because also as you know, you can't really order a pizza or uh, or, or order anything on the phone in an Australian accent in America. 
you know, it's like if, if you're going through drive-thru and you're trying to order food drive-thru, no chance. I mean, I, I know you're too healthy to order food drive-thru, um, obviously, and, and it's been a while since I have as well, but um, I get it, it. it wasn't for me. But, um, yeah, and also I, I, um, I got to a point where me working, the difference between me working and not working was whether my accent was any good. And wow. so you talked about earlier about luck and opportunity and all that sort of stuff and, and who you know and you, you get the auditions, you get in there, you learn the lines and you, you get in the door and you meet the, the, the casting agent and the casting agent's got a great relationship with your manager because your manager reps, you know, big famous people and he goes, here's Dan, he's the, the new kind of guy over from Australia and he's doing this. And then she goes, great, here's your script, action. <laughs> and yet, and your accent sucks. Guess what? It stops right there. And she rings your agent and goes, yeah, he's really nice. He's, he's really you know, positive and he's got a great attitude and his choice is really good and his acting was great, but unfortunately his accent was terrible. So the agent rings up and goes, hey, man, so you've got to go work on your accent. So back to the drawing board. So it's, it's look, again, it's not unlike triathlon where you've got all these disciplines that you have to master and, and you, have to, you have to master what's in, in your control because there's so much out of your control that you've got no excuse for not nailing what you can, you know, that's, that's on you. If you go in there and you, if I go, if I go back into that audition six weeks later and my agent's gone out on a limb to get me back into that same woman to audition for her next project in that same room and my accent is still no good, then who are you going to blame? You can't, oh, they, they didn't pick, oh, I'm so upset they didn't pick me. They picked the taller guy. I'm sure it's because I was shorter than him. Oh, but, I mean, I heard him. He was terrible. No, man, it's because you didn't do everything you could in your power to be as good as you possibly could so when the next opportunity came around, you could nail it. It's really about being intentional, isn't it? What do you want? And and that's what my wife, Laura, you know, you know, Laura, and she did want me to say hi. Um, hi. But, hi, Laura. <laughs> but, it, but it's funny. We, we had this point in our career where it was like, we were good athletes. We were doing okay. I think I, you know, won the World Series and, and done okay. But it was like we were still missing something, and, it, and that missing, and we put it in down to that one word, which is intent. Mm. And that's being intentional about everything we could. And you know, in sport, it's you know, sleep, nutrition, body work, biomechanics, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But in yeah. in the entertainment business, like you're in, there's so many things that you can try and be a little bit more intentional about and help you just. Step out from the crowd, right? Totally, totally. So, I mean, I remember when you guys were really firing, and you guys came back to Noosa, and I was coming in and out of the sport a little bit. And, and Noosa being the hotbed of of triathlon training and, and triathlon trainers, you know, and everyone from all over the, the the world would come there for summer. But there had been it was an obvious uh, change or intent in your setup, in your lifestyle, and in your discipline to achieve your goals and you could see it and you guys were out there training together. You knew exactly what you were doing. I remember, I remember you said, Hey, do you want to come over for dinner one night this week? I went, yeah, great. And he goes, great. This is, we're having salmon and thing on this time. We're having chicken on this night. We're having that night and we'll be eating at five 30 and we'll be in bed by seven 30. So pick a night. We'd love to have you for dinner. And I was <laughs> like, wow, these guys, you guys are doing it. And when there's uh, Noosa was full of professionals out to that and went, that's professionalism. That's what you guys are doing, and that's where you're pro. And one of the lessons I always learnt and, and took from from that and from those triathlon days was uh, was on set of where does this performance, where does this role, where does this job fit in the priority of your life? 
where do you prioritize it? Do you prioritize this role after your friends, your family, um, your social life, and the gym? Does it come number six? Or is it actually number two ahead of your social life, ahead of your friends and family? Is it like, and, and the best results come when whatever that is, is prioritized higher up that list. Mm-hmm. And so similarly to, to you guys back in Noosa back then in, in, in the glory days of, of, uh, of, of the Sunshine Coast summers, which we love and miss, I'm, I'm in Ireland at the moment in 14-day isolation ready to start a role that I've, I've been on hiatus for. I, all I can do at the moment is, is stay in the apartment that I'm in unless I'm leaving to go to train. So I'm having uh, my – I found sort of a meal delivery service that does meals for athletes. So I've worked out on my macros and I've had those delivered. I've got a training schedule. I've had weights delivered. And for this 14-day period, it's fully intentional about – how I want to come out of this 14 days and then into pre-production and how I want to look, feel, and act when I step on set in four weeks. And it's fantastic, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to do that. But that that professionalism from sport and the professionalism that I, I witnessed with with you and Laura, um, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm sort of applying similar principles to this to this current job. It's fantastic. I love that. I love that you've gone and – just prepared everything you can. You haven't arrived in Ireland going, oh, 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 oh. It's like, hang on. No, yeah. I know I've got these two weeks and then I've got, you know, the, the extra two weeks until I get ready for, for this role. Can we talk about this role or yeah, wrap? Uh, no, yeah. it's it's kind of a fiddly one. Um, I don't know whether I can – I'm not supposed to talk about it, but there's a there's a trailer out for this for the job, but I haven't been announced that I'm in it. What I will say is it's a 10-part TV series. It's a massive science fiction series. Um, shooting in multiple locations around the world, um, made by one of the biggest streamers in the world, who may or may not make telephones, um, and and it's it's really cool, man. So um, it's I actually got the offer for this job the the night of the strike back rap party. Um, oh. So again, I talk about that synchronicity that's kind of been a nice. Um, a nice recurring theme throughout my career. Um, the the year I decided to quit Dancing with the Stars to focus fully on America, I got my first American job and actually quit triathlon, to be fair, um, um, which I made that decision at the 22K mark of Roth, Challenge Roth. Going, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? That's, a whole, that's a whole other story. But, you know, I was like, what am I doing? I, I'm, anyway, I'm sure yeah, I've told that story a few times. It's, it's on the internet. You'll find it. But it's like um, you said, yeah, you move, you moved your your acting career. Totally, and I Aye. I stopped riding my bike and I started going to acting classes in LA. Yeah. And I said, right, I'll quit Dancing with the Stars. And so I went back and did my last season of Dancing with the Stars. And the morning after the rap party of Dancing with the Stars, I got a phone call and I got my first American job. Wow. And it was like, wow. So three months, three months after quitting triathlon and just committing that extra percent, couple of percent to my career forced the change that I've been working on for three years. Um, similarly, playing, working so hard to play the lead in a show like Strike Back um, and and coming to the end of that, not knowing what to do next, um, 
And after promising my family that I was going to take three months off at least and come back to Australia and, and my son was due to be born, there's all this stuff, this amazing life stuff, I made the mistake of just doing one audition and, uh, and, got, the, and got, the, uh, got the job at the rap party. And, uh, and thankfully, it didn't start for a few months. And, and then thankfully, Corona um, and COVID shut the world down for six months. So that's meant that, that uh, I was there for the birth of my child and I got, um, you know, 10 months with my, with my beautiful son back in Sydney with my family. And, um, and now I can be here in Ireland now till Christmas um, to, to start this job uh, rested and focused and, and prepared. That's amazing. You make your own luck, like you've said throughout this show. It's like this, but sometimes the universe does align, doesn't it? It really does. And look, I, I like you, my friend. I, I, I look up and say thank you a lot. I really do. You know, especially when I'm out running. You know, it's I'm, I'm, with the time zones at the moment. I'm running through this Irish countryside at at six in the morning as the sun's coming up, and there's, it's freezing cold, and I'm running in about four layers and a North Face jacket. And and just pinching myself, going, how cool is this? How cool is this? I mean, that's just it, though. You have that tremendous gratitude, and I think that affects your attitude. And then I think it's amazing how things all fall into line when you when you have that kind of outlook on life. And uh, you know, tell tell me a little bit about your little guy and and, and being a father. I, I remember reading a a tweet of yours a while ago. <laughs> a while ago. I think the tweet went viral. Um, I don't know if it was a tweet or what platform it was, but uh, it says, five months in, and I've learned that 90% of fatherhood is yelling, which bag is it in from the other room? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, that was um, that was it. I mean, I'd, I'd come from I'd come from three, four, five years of 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 working around the world, um, Zoe and I had decided to move back to Australia. But I was then working in Croatia for seven months. Um, Zoe was back in Australia shooting Home and Away, um, which we mentioned earlier. She ended up doing Home and Away while she was pregnant, um, and and it was just it was just a challenging time on on so many levels. And then, you know, I wrapped. I only wrapped strike back four weeks before my son was born my first son was born you know and it was like my first child and so to finish that monumental kind of phase of my life on that job move back to australia having done a decade in la um face fatherhood um turning 40 um living back in sydney for the first time since i was 17 um there was a lot there was a lot standing in front of me and then just for some reason i I took this other job as well. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a massive time and, and the, the, the sheer blessing of the global shutdown of this pandemic for me. Um, and thankfully I haven't had, you know, loved ones fall ill or pass away or anything from, from Corona. So, so I speak about it, um, through, through that filter of, of positivity of where, um, I, the, the universe told me, stopped me, said stop and be present and be there for every moment. Be there with your family. Go and be with your mum and your brother and your sister and every all these people you haven't seen. And even even when we we tried to go to Noosa, we're like we'll, we'll get up to Noosa. That'd be great. Then I can train and then I can you know, run and do. The borders closed, and so. The universe literally is went, you have to stop and stand still 
and literally hold this little guy. Not that I didn't want to. I was just, I'd just been, I'd just been working at this frequency, this high pitched, high velocity, high revs. The engine had been redlining for years. You needed the grounding. It's, you needed it's, uh... the grounding. And the, the lessons with that, the gratitude that came with that, the, the greatest memories of this year for me will be getting up every morning when my son wakes up, spending the mornings with him, going for a walk, sitting in a cafe, hanging out with my son. I mean, it's it's the greatest gift I've ever been given and and it's the greatest honour that I've ever had to be, to be this boy's dad, and um, and you talk about um, you know, you talk about the, the the downside of 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 this lifestyle and this job, and again, it's not unlike being a professional athlete, where you're away out of a suitcase for for long periods of time, and you get really good at that. You get really good at the adaptability of being kind of on the road and being transient. Um, the positive part of this is that the job I'm doing now and, and probably Stripe Back and others are going to be so cool that when this kid grows up, he's going, that's my dad, you know, and I, and, and this is a great. Or is it going to be looking back at 70s movies when he gets older and be like, oh, my goodness, that's my dad. <laughs> We're going to see that as well. But, you know, when, you, when you, you're going out to, when you're going to work to save the world, um, you kind of like, hey, you know what? One, he's he's so young, he's not going to remember whether I was there for a month or two or not. But also, oh, no. but there is, you know, it gives you a great galvanization of your intent to work. To actually, I'm going away to provide for my family, and so if I have to be away, um, then I'm going to do a great job because because I'm providing, and and also because when he's old enough, he's going to look at it and go, that's really cool, Dad. <laughs> yeah, mate, it was pretty cool. <laughs> I love that last five minutes, mate. I think that oh. is really beautifully said. And I, I think I have a son who was born, I think, one month after yours or a few weeks after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to play date soon, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll get oh, together. Please. We'll get back or whatever. And, uh, but it's, uh, we, we have a, a two-year-old daughter and then a son. And, and it's amazing. For me, the transition from being quite a selfish, self-focused athlete Um and selfish in that I don't mean it in a negative way. I just mean that you're all consumed by what you're doing yeah. to then starting to go, actually, it's not about me anymore. Yeah. You know, it's about you providing, like you said, it's about uh, being there for them and all of these things. And it's less about my journey and it is uh, about, about them. And I describe it, uh, I think, with your, with your partner, it's kind of like, look, if somebody put a, a gun to you guys, and said, look, which one of you is going to take the bullet? You'd be like, oh, you'd pause for a second. You'd pause and go, oh, okay, me. That's a gentleman. Right? With your kids, you wouldn't even have that moment. It's like that that love is so intense Time. that you'd just be like, boom, take it. And, and I don't mean any disrespect to you, Laura, if you're listening. I love you. Um, but, um, <laughs> no, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, and like the, the little stuff that gets awakened in you, that's in your DNA, that's in your cells that oh. – that you didn't even know. And look, I, I use exactly the same language as you do, you know, in that I was selfish. I lived a selfish life or a self-centered life or a self-focused life because I was the product and the 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 the, the income, the the 
everything that came from the work, I was my own product. It was performance. It was performing. It was the same as being an athlete. You know, my performance made the difference as to whether we had money in the bank or not. And so there's an element of ego in that and there's an element of, 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 um, of stuff that goes along, baggage that goes along with that, especially as a, as a male and as a, a strong-headed kind of, you know, now 40-year-old male. And, and so when, when I had to do that, that really hard U-turn and, and that realisation of it's not about me anymore, probably not unlike yourself, it had never been more about me than it was only a month before he was born. You know, like it was, it had been all about me for, for three years. You know, I was doing, I was the lead in this show. I was traveling around an the actor. world. I was acting. I was working. I was an actor, you know, like yeah, yeah. everybody told me I was really important, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's some, I, you know, there's some, some, Zoe did an incredible job. Zoe as a mother, um, as a partner, to, to have your husband on the other side of the world thinking he's a an action hero um, while you're while you're you know, creating this this human uh, is very very oh, very, oh mate these mums just blow my mind away uh, uh, it's incredible just, mate. I'm, I'm just again I'm, I'm just nothing but gratitude um, yeah really really. Uh, I want to I want to shift gear a little bit because you we talk about these roles that you have action hero police neighbors whatever it is what's it like especially with the full immersion like when you go deep and there's no doubt you went deep in strike back playing the role that you did you could see it yeah Do, what's it like coming out of that is there a real transition it's it's a bit like when i had mark weber our, our friend mark weber formula yeah. one racing car driver i'm like what's it like when you hop into a, a car when you get off the plane at brisbane airport and drive back up to noosa in a, in a normal car i mean it's the same kind of thing i mean how is that transition for you um it's 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 a real double-edged sword uh gb it's like i learned the first time i learned method acting um was on an indie film in australia and it was the first kind of breakthrough film that i'd done and they were surprised that i attacked it with this athlete's discipline and so the, the 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 director and i he was from cronulla as well he bodyboarded at shark island the same way i did he was born four days ahead of me like we just we were cut from the same cloth, you know, and, and so we had, we had a real shorthand straight away, and that actor director relationship is invaluable. And so when he said, "Look, you know, this this film is about you stuck on a spaceship, um, waiting to be rescued," um, I think we should all live on the studios. We should live in the set. We should all live in the offices above the studio, and we'll just we'll, we'll be on the spaceship. It's like great, fantastic, great idea. That's going to make my acting better. And we did, and we all lived on this spaceship, and then we all popped out on the 22nd of December, two and a half months later, and realised that we were not in any way, shape or form ready to go back to our families who are all prepping for Christmas and they're on summer holidays and they're all light and breezy and we'd come out of this mm. this pressure cooker of life and death. And, and a phenomenal movie. Let me interrupt, by the way. Infinity is just... <laughs> The budget that you guys work with compared to the Hollywood movies and everything. Oh, oh thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on Netflix at the moment. Uh, to go watch that one. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called Infinity. Anyway, go on. Thank you. Yeah, look, it's a real pressure cooker. It's not for everybody, 
but it's but it's a real pressure cooker of a film and, and it was a real breakthrough role for me when I couldn't get a job in America Shane gave me my first job back in Australia as a as a as a legitimate actor like I'd quit well I hadn't I hadn't quite quit host, hosting at that point but but I was I was trying to come back and be a leading man and and, and whatnot and he gave me all the support and um, tool set to do it that way so what we all learned was that it's actually if we're going to have a career, we're going to have a career of longevity, and you're going to push yourself down the rabbit hole that deeply, then you need to understand and work out the tool set to pull yourself back out. Um, and at that point, we realized that because none of us had the tool set. And, and it took us months, months and months to recover. Um, and, and in fact, we are, uh, when was that, 2013? I, I'm still on a WhatsApp group message with the entire cast of Infinity to this day. We still speak every day. So if you talk about the the pressure of an experience galvanizing friendships, that's what that did t- to us. I had to go back to things that I that are, are, are at my sort of cellular level. Dan McPherson, what what am I at like a core level? And for me, and particularly in this last few few years and few months as well, this year has been challenging. Um, salt water, I've got to get in the ocean. I've got to get in the ocean. I've got to run. I, I've got to. I've just got to run. And I have to do. I have to instill daily discipline. Um, so that may be. Um, I started meditating about five or six years ago, um, uh, and that changed my life. And for me to recover and sort of, I now understand that it's a process and you can't do three months, six months, three years of damage and expect it to be fixed in a week. You can't do strike back for three years and go and lay on a beach in Bali for two weeks and expect to be healed. The For me, um, it's a process of, of daily discipline. Um, and, and for me, yeah, I would say, I would say running the cycling's cycling's up there as well, but, but more recently in, in more recent years, it's been running, um, because also if I run solo and, and it's very sort of Zen time for me, um, almost like a detoxifying time of, of thoughts of emotions, uh, burning off that cortisol, you know, um, definitely definitely some form of meditation um which again is like getting inside the engine to try and slow the revs down you know because that's important and then yeah yeah for me it's been salt water cold water i've I've discovered in the last couple of years has just done wonders for me so so if i put those kind of tools in place and i stick to them with discipline um then i know that i know to trust the process and and i will come back you know um what doesn't work is just going home not making any effort to kind of uh fix yourself drinking drinking uh still operating at 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 at, you know seven and a half thousand rpm when your family are looking at you and they're operating in second gear at two thousand rpm and that's like that just doesn't doesn't work so this whole process is something that I've been really really working on myself these last few years of of just trying to turn everything off um, 
I, I like to say, and I've said it on this show a lot of the time, I start by reducing the negativity. Um, for me, that's turning off the news, the media, turning off social media, turn all of it off. Because generally speaking, there's a negative vibe to it. There, there's some positivity that comes out, but generally it's fairly negative. Turn that negative. It's not about being positive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's this there's this whole positive psychology that's coming out in the world. And I'm like, eh, let's just reduce the negativity and then allow yeah. positivity to come yeah. in. And, yeah. and, and allowing, like you said earlier, allowing yourself to just be present and yeah. sit still. And yeah. like you, I found enormous benefits from the, the cold plunging. Yeah. Um, that has just lit up my brain. It's, it's helped with inflammation, of course, but it's, it, I felt fantastic doing it. I don't love to do it because it is kind of traumatic, yeah. but, it, but it does work. I think the ocean, I mean, we take the family out and we just stand in the ocean every evening. Um, that's one of the perks of being sharks everywhere a lot of sharks here yeah yeah (laughs) but but that grounding and then walking or running in in a forest uh, yes and just and deep breathing i have found all of that it's amazing how you can be anxious anxiety where what am i doing my you know am i doing the right thing we're all questioning ourselves all the time and and i think these days because of the internet and the amount of information coming at us a million miles an hour and the environmental toxins or mm. Wi-Fi all around us, we're, we're, we're fully charged. Like you said, we're, we're in this gear. And there's one thing I found with the kids. They don't want you in a thousand gear. They want you in second gear. They just want you to be sitting there and present. And that's not easy to do if you've got your phone near you. If you, you know, It's like yeah. these are all – and I'm working on all of these, by the way. I'm not yeah. perfect any means but I, I like what you said with everything that you you know in terms of coming out of these roles and and, and trying to ground yourself i think it's i mean i just are, are you able to do a bit of that while you in these key roles like you said you're in Ireland. Yeah, yeah no i can and that and it's like that's like um for me that's like charging the battery um i was i was living in zagreb uh in croatia uh all of last year and and at the back of Zagreb is these wonderful mountains that are actually ski resorts during during summer. And the top of this mountain is is a needle, um, so, you know, like a uh, communications tower, big big kind of needle that goes up into the sky. And so one day I I got my my camel back on and I left my apartment in the center of Zagreb at six thirty in the morning and I and I'm just going to go climb a mountain. And it's all trails and it's all and I didn't know where I was going and I just packed enough. You know, food and uh, you know, clothing in case it got cold, and obviously enough water and a spare battery and all this sort of stuff, and just went off on an adventure in nature, and ended up being um, 32 k round trip, a uh, bit of running, bit of walking, bit of hiking, you know. And it took me. I was back by lunchtime. It was six hours, six hours in nature on an adventure just sweating that good sweat you know just uphill like not super not scrambling up a steep hill but like up just going up and just getting in the rhythm and it, there's something you know there's something meditative about that about being in nature um when the when it starts raining taking shelter under a tree and that so even that one kind of experience that one weekend of of doing that re uh, restores my battery to go then go back to work for for a good couple of weeks you know and and um, but I think also as as we get older and and particularly particularly again in the last couple of years, um, more than ever we need to be aware of what we're taking into our bodies, into our minds, and we need to be responsible for what we're doing and what we're taking into our bodies. And now we used to talk about that as what we're eating and drinking, 
now we need to talk about that in what's going in through our eyes, what we're listening to, what's going in through our ears, um, what what we're breathing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, call me crazy, but turning my phone off is a really nice thing to do. And, and, and I've, I've made that a practice. I've made that a habit, you know, when, when, because we're always so contactable, especially as parents, especially as, as family, when your family's overseas and suddenly you're working across different time zones. And well, when I go to bed, Australia's awake and I know, you know, you've got family in Australia or there's family on the other coast or, you know, people want to, grandparents, whatever, want to talk to grandkids. You know, there's, there's always this responsibility of being contactable, contactable. And actually, when you look around the room and go, well, actually, no, well, I've got Laura and I've got my kids and right now in this moment, we're really healthy, we're really happy. Well, I can, I can switch off from the rest of the world. And that, I think that allows you to, to get the revs down like we're talking about. It allows you to be present, you know, and allows you to, to really get the needle back to zero. And I don't think we as a, as a race realise right now what Instagram does to, to your base level of homeostasis, what Facebook Messenger does, what having when I wake up in the morning and checking my emails, my Instagram messages, my WhatsApp messages, my Twitter messages, my Twitter feed. Right, they're all there, and you're like, no, oh, and it's like, dude, stop doing that. Well, I'm the same, mate, and it take it takes that discipline. I'm I'm terrible when I when I put a show out every Monday. I want to see the downloads, and I want to see the interaction, and are people giving me feedback and say, "Whoa, calm down. You don't need to do it all right now. Wake up, go outside, walk in the yard for a second, take a few deep breaths." <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's what Island. That's what Island in this isolation time has been amazing for. I, I yeah. can't I actually can't be anywhere. I can't be with my family. I can't be at work. I can't go to the gym. I can't. I it's almost to- awesome, isn't it? Isn't it like I found this whole COVID thing where I'm such a planner. I'm always looking four years down that you know the Olympic cycle kind of mentality, planning, planning, planning. Go, go, go. <laughs> so good. And, and now it's like when it all happened, we were meant to be back in Australia, and in May our flight got cancelled, and then it was a you know two week quarantining in in Sydney, and with a two year old and what would have been a five month old at the time, I'm like I can't spend two weeks in a in a hotel room with with the whole family so we stopped even trying to get down there and all of a sudden you know my mum you know is is in in sydney on her own and and uh, it breaks my heart that we can't all be together but it's kind of like at the same time i can't do anything my the control has been taken from me to some yeah. degree yeah. so now just breathe into it and relax where you are be yeah. be there yeah. be here it was the same when we were yeah. trying to get to Usa, and then we're like, yeah. right, we've got to get up to Noosa before the borders close tomorrow. And then yeah. and and we had a bit of a, a bit of an altercation. Well, not an altercation, we had a bit of an argument about it. Going, well, is it safe? Do we go? And I turned on Twitter and <laughs> the, the headline on Twitter was coronavirus outbreak from 50th birthday party at Noosa, which was at a <laughs> restaurant in Noosa, and suddenly there were 30 cases. And the guy that owned the restaurant was my next door neighbor in Noosa. And we're like, the universe is telling you, you're not going. And, and, and that was it. You just just got to be be where yeah. you are. Um, yeah. I feel exactly the same, man. How, how have you gone? Um, I know I've kept you a long time, but I, I 
we've talked a lot about your mentality and things. What about your physical shape? You know, you, you stopped doing triathlon, changed your body shape from being sort of a, a triathlete. What kind of work have you done physically? Because you packed on a, it looks like it anyway, unless the camera adds 20 pounds. I don't know how it works in, in Hollywood, but you definitely look like a, a strong lad right now. What yeah. kind of work have you done? Um, thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, you know, there's a few little uh, corona, corona rolly bits. Um, I, again, I, I had to talk about intention. I, I was going up for all these roles, like, you know, Iraq veteran, um, Delta Force soldier, uh, FBI special agent, Johnny Utah, whatever, you know, like, and I was trying to be 72 kilos to race Iron Man. And I look yeah. around and, like, Chris Hemsworth and Jai Courtney and Luke Bracey and all these Aussie guys who are mates of mine who are playing all these lead roles are jacked. And so I stopped riding my bike. I started going to CrossFit Santa Monica. And I started learning about strength and conditioning. And I realized that when you look at a, a standard sort of medium close-up shot, which is you know, just below your chest maybe a little bit below your nipples depending on they are you know but you're looking chest shoulders up to your head well i'd spent my life trying to make those muscles smaller because because it wasn't about i was trying about trying to be efficient and, and so so basically i had to turn everything on its head and and i'd been this for 20 years i've been this diesel engine trying to be so efficient and making one calorie go as far as it could and actually I had to do the opposite I had to start burning as much as I could and and eating stacks of protein and lifting heavy weights and and so that's you know um that's been a journey that probably started around 2015 um doesn't it feel good when I retired in 2016 I felt like I'd starved myself for 26 years when yeah. I starved yeah you know, like yeah. you said being lean as you could and I always wanted to feel like a normal man yeah. and I don't know what that means really but basically I I started just hitting the gym and it started with, yeah. you know, calisthenic type stuff like chin-ups and everything else and just started going, feels kind of good. But I, I don't did you, the, did you have the realization of going, geez, I wish I could have done this during my career? Uh, I think, no, not so much during my career. I, I think I, I always had a little bit of, I don't know, I was pretty tough. I was very, very hard on myself. Yeah. I, I never felt like I looked fit, you know, and then I just always, I always looked at the guys around me, always seemed to look fitter than I did. And, and now I look back at my photos and I'm like, I, I almost felt like I, there was something seriously wrong mentally. Like I look at some of us, you know, before the Sunday afternoon swim in Noosa, there's pictures of me in my swimming. I'm like, my God, I remember, I remember being embarrassed to have my photo taken because I thought I was still kind of yeah. on the heavier side. And I yeah. look back now, my gosh, there's something I've wrong. got, I think that must be, this must be a, a fat kid mentality because I've got complete body dysmorphia. I've got the same thing, you know, honestly, I, I, I've, all that sounds so familiar. I don't get photos taken in my speedos with my mates because I feel like I'm out of shape. But because... you're doing nude scenes on, on Hollywood. How are you doing sex scenes with that? <laughs> oh, just, just get me from the back and, you know, get my bum, you know. I've ridden bikes for 30 years. That looks all right. <laughs> Oh, but, uh, mate, look, it's a it's a funny it's a funny game. But I, I definitely um I, I love feeling strong. I, I love um overcoming the balances that that twenty five years of triathlon kind of gave me. Um, I love strengthening up and and loosening up my hips, which which were just in dire straits from 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 a lifetime of 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 you know, starting triathlon eleven years old. Um, 
And so, so you know, a lot of the mobility stuff that I've learned, the kind of yoga stuff, a bit of the CrossFit stuff. I mean, just mixing and matching, um, yeah. and working and learning new skill sets, um, and and really loving it. You know, and some days I'll I'll go and I'll go and run. I went I went out the other day and ran twenty five k for no reason. Then I was really enjoying it. Um, and then I also had an entire garage worth of gym gear and squat racks delivered six weeks before I came over for this job. So, you know, it's, it's horses for courses and, and, but similar to yourself, you know, I, I guess you just want as many tools in your tool set and, and, and to be able to apply, apply the knowledge and the experience of those tools to, to each situation when they, when it arises, I guess. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like these days my training is all about longevity. I want to be able to lift my kids for another sort of 10 years. You know, I'm, I'm a year off 50 here and oh, it's wow. kind of the realization that, you know, it's, uh, I've got to keep working on some, I call it youthfulness, you know, trying to, you know, when I go to the gym now, when I run, it's all VO2 work. It's all uphill on a treadmill. It's, wow. it's trying to feel like I'm 16 again. I'm really heavily focused on that kind of training. And I feel, and I'm honestly, I train 30 to 40 minutes a day. Like yeah. that, I'm just, I don't have the time at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's, it's that kind of just trying to feel youthful and yeah. everything I'm kind of doing homework on from other podcasters out there and other things that I'm reading is like, well, what can I do to try and just maintain this longevity of mm. feeling strong, powerful? Um, also, I'm there for my kids, you know. I'm, I'm an old dad. In the playground, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the older dad. What about that? Of course, yeah. I mean, I feel like an old dad too, you know. I was 40 when we had Aussie. Yeah, well, there you go, and and I think it's. Yeah. I mean, then again, you're not an old dad in the playgrounds anymore. Nearly every dad I know is in their forties. By the way, I don't know what's happened, but it's yeah. kind of normal. It's it's um, totally changed, mate. So, look, what what's next for you? What are you know? You got this project, um, potentially ten shows, maybe more. Um, what do you, what would you want to do beyond what you're doing? Is there you know, uh, yeah, the the next kind of challenges are coming um, at a point in my career where I want to start telling my own stories and producing my own stuff and and this um the 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 decade that i've spent creating this career in america has uh, has great value back in australia um and and, you know as as aussies they always you know love love aussies that go and do well overseas and 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 incidentally i still feel like i'm i've got a long way to go in america i'm still at the the very uh, on the bottom of the ladder but I'm on the ladder, and that's that took a long time just to get on, just to get on the ladder, you know. So, um, but you know, as, as you get older, you you gravitate towards more stories, and I'm starting to produce and write my own stuff, and we're in, um, in the project process at the moment on a project, um, which is we've been working on for a little while now, which is starting to get some some nice traction, which is about the um, the Australian federal police officers that um, tracked down and 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 caught the Bali bombers. Um, which is a part of Australian history that we've never really explored, and, and to be honest, I don't think we've been ready to explore. But the um, the twentieth anniversary of the Bali bomb bombings uh, happened in twenty twenty two, and the um, the the start of our story uh, is actually in uh, the two thousand and five bombings, which were three backpack bombings um, that happened in, in Bali, and um, and the uh, Australian Federal Police officer who found himself at the at the head of that investigation. So that's something that I've been really fascinated um, and really digging into working with a really talented bunch of producers and writers and, um, and David, the officer himself. And, and it's that kind of stuff that, that I'm really enjoying, which is taking a, a project from 
either finding a book or finding you know an idea for a project and and um and working with great creatives and and having that realization probably you know not unlike yourself where you realize you turn around and, and at this age and at this um point in our lives and our careers that the people who who you've grown up with are all at top levels in their careers as well and that you've been working for 25 years and you know everybody in the industry give or take you know and mm-hmm. and by the same way you know you've the people and guests that you've had on your podcast are, are, are because of the great relationships and the great career and 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 the great networks that you've created throughout the course of your life um i'm realizing now at 40 and 25 years in the entertainment industry that that i can pick up a phone and and call just about anybody in australia um and and i think i'd like to start telling my own stories awesome mate well <laughs> i i can't i can't wait to watch them and i mean with your background in uh you know like you like you mentioned you've been in the bill and you've been in city homicide i feel like there's a real connection with you with understanding the police force and the federal police force i don't yeah. know maybe yeah, no, it is. Maybe it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very familiar stuff it's not a, it's not a long stretch it's not like i'm uh yeah. i have to play a scientist or anything but yeah yeah do you miss having a normal job i mean being away and and do you ever kind of go i wish i kind of just had a nine-to-five job i could look look out it's funny you say that i I don't know about normal job but um being home in sydney for this past six months um austin being born um they have realizing that my parents are at a certain age where where they're going to need more care and, and, and I want to spend as much time with them as I can um, has made me realise that it might be time to, to base myself back in Sydney now and, and put some roots down and, and, um, and that, that it's time to come home. So I don't know if we'll get a normal job, but I might get a, a slightly more normal life um, and lifestyle uh, now that I've turned 40 and, and, um, and parenthood is upon us. I think uh, we're in the same boat. I mean, I happen to marry an American girl on the other side of the world here in Florida who's also close to her family. Um, but probably I enjoyed being back in Sydney the last couple of years when we've gone down, you know, before my dad passed away last year. It was really nice just to be there for months on end and go, wow, something really familiar and just comforting almost of being where you grew up, you know, and uh, and I get it. I, it's it's, but it's always – it's a balancing act, isn't it? <laughs> you kind of yeah. like trying to figure out what do I want to go pursue to optimize my own life and, and then hang on, I need to just be back and be grounded for a little bit. But And also mate, I imagine when you were, you were going back to Sydney too, you go back for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks at a time and you're trying to see everyone and experience everything but then you're going back to, back to Florida or back to the US or back to wherever and it's like it was, it was the first time in a long time that I got – that amount of time in Sydney, where I kind of lived, I got I lived there. Yeah, I got, you're living again, I got, I got that. living in Sydney, and I'd I've been so anti Sydney for so long. Yeah. I was the same. We all moved to Noosa. What do you mean? We all. <laughs> I moved to Noosa because I hated Sydney, yeah, um, yeah. and and sort of and again, the universe goes, no, nah, you're going to Sydney, but I don't want to go to Sydney. I want to go to Noosa. I want to go to Los Angeles. I want to go. No, nah, you're going to Sydney. And kind of like a bit of a child kicking and screaming. I'm like, well, I, mean, I suppose we could live in Coogee. I suppose we could. Live- <laughs> Is that where you? Live? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Mum's still in Cronulla, and and, uh, and we've been living in Coogee, and Dad's in Bondi, and and, and my sister yeah, is all around. So look, we'll end up back there somewhere, and and um, and 
you know, as as I was having this conversation with um, actually with a meditation teacher of all of all people, um, I said, "Oh, Sydney," and I'm like, "I never wanted to come back to Sydney," and and he was like, "So you're telling me you get to raise your newborn son in Sydney?" I was like, "Yeah," he was like, that sounds pretty cool to me. He's like, oh, "Yeah." <laughs> Oh, yeah, actually, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe let's start with a little bit of gratefulness, how you guys, a little slap in the face. A little bit of, little bit of perspective from uh, from the other side. So, And we're not even talking about, I mean, we're talking on the beaches of Sydney and some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Um, you know, it's, we've both been incre- incredibly privileged, and uh, but I think recognising that is important and having that gratefulness I think is fantastic. But I think this is a great great place to end up mate i i've thoroughly enjoyed this chat and it's been many years since we really just got to to sit and chat and i really really enjoyed this oh, one mate, thank you likewise i've got a big grin on my face mate sitting here in my uh isolation cabin in ireland uh drinking my tea in my pajamas uh i'm glad it's not a, a skype call mate. really good to chat really good to hear that um is somehow we're in, in similar phases in our lives uh, which is lovely. And I was thinking back to, I think the first time I may have ever ever seen you, GB, was at the Tui's, no, was it the Formula, it was the Grand Prix Series qualifier at Lake Crackenback, won oh, by yeah, AJ, yeah. and it was, you had five slots to go and get into into the yeah, so that was that was, 95, that was the second year. So the first year was Tui's Blue, which, yeah. which I did. Yeah. And I finished sixth in that series. Mm-hmm. So I automatically qualified for the next year. But I did go up to Lake Krakenback to watch yeah. that race. Did you do that race? Did you? No, I was down there watching. We, it was somebody I was training with. I yeah. forget who it was. But I remember, and that was, I reckon that was the first time we met. So to be sitting here chatting to you now on your podcast all these years, years later, later, I love, I love the way the world works, my friend. Oh, mate, mate. Oh, I, I hope to have you back on the podcast as a regular because this was just absolutely fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. If people want to follow your journey, I, I've been following you on Instagram and watching you run with all the horses and enjoying Ireland at the moment. But what is it? It's uh, I'm at, at, Dan, at Dan McPherson, D-A-N-M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N um, on Instagram and on Twitter. And um, I think that's it. I think that's the only way to get me. I limit, I limit, I limit the amount of... Uh, of critiques <laughs> exactly we, we chatted about that already so we don't need to rehash that but I, i'm really looking forward to getting our little men together on a play date whether yeah, that be in, probably please, a please uh please send my best to all the family mate it's been lovely to chat to you will do now for anybody who wants the show notes timestamps, links coupon codes and everything to this episode just go to bennettendurance.com forward slash media but dan mcpherson thanks again buddy thanks everybody for listening stay safe cheers mate Thanks a lot for listening to Be With Champions. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Be With Champions Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.